Hello, and welcome to the Odessa First Assembly Podcast. My name is Tony, and I'm the Digital Ministry Manager here at OFA. Today we have a message for you from our sermon series titled, The Spirit-Filled Life. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring the Holy Spirit and what it means to be filled with His power in our lives. Our lead pastor, Todd Starn, will be sharing powerful insights into this important topic. We'll also hear from myself and Derek Thurlby on different aspects of the Spirit-Filled Life. So without further ado, let's jump right into today's message from The Spirit-Filled Life. For the second, um, but we are glad that you're here. I believe we have um, freedom in Christ here. Is that right? Is that the, so always a joy when they come and, and join us, uh, the men's program here, and grateful for them and the work. And um, we know Albert very well from El Paso, but they have a uh, campus here. Always good to see them. And uh, don't forget uh, this week, be praying for our team. And you can still join the team. I'm sure they need help uh, for the VBS this week. Um, but I, kind of where we uh, really jump in this morning, I, I want to spend just a moment and um, I want us to pray for both uh, Perryton and Matador. If you haven't heard, um, kind of back-to-back weeks, two pretty bad tornadoes. Um, we have close friends in both of those areas. Um, a friend of mine, Jason Huddleston, it, uh, lives in Perryton, and um, they're just, you know, you get to a point they're just really running ragged. They're really tired. Um, they went uh, a long time without cell phone towers, without gas, without electricity in Perryton. Um, and so I remember he called me, and was t- talking about you know his first hot shower in about ten days, and so they were pretty excited about that. And then, uh, then what happened in Matador, and I got to see some of that damage. Um, it's just it's just really indescribable. Um, Convoy of Hope has come in, and as they did, they've responded to Perryton, and now matter matter of fact, they just opened up the distribution lines this morning in Matador, and the church there, uh, Springs of Life, that me and Angela helped my father-in-law start, and that Russell, is, Russell Chandler is now the pastor of, um, they're using that kind of a hub. It's a 40,000-square-foot building there, and so they're able to really bring a lot of supplies in to bring distribution into Matador. And so again, as always, if you're ever looking for a, um, a trustworthy ministry that gives disaster response I just want to encourage you to give to Convoy of Hope. And you can know that every dollar that you give is going to help what you're giving towards. And that really can't be said about a lot of those agencies. And they're always some of the very first responders. Um, They are always some of the ones that that are, I mean, just there, hurricanes or tornadoes that are there. But I want to pray for those communities and the people impacted. I mean, some of the testimonies and and just of that I've heard from people. Um, There was a young man... um, uh, uh, some friends of ours, the Mazels pastor there in Roaring Springs as well. They have a young man in their church. They have a, a Dollar General there, and was com- I mean, just, there's so I mean, just like there's nothing left but the foundation. And uh, but this young man was working there when the tornado hit, and um, I mean, like there was I mean, just nothing but flat rubble is all that was left of that store. He was in the store, and uh, but they were able to dig him out, just some scratches and a broken arm. And I mean, how you, how you survive that just is, is just the Lord's hand. It's just the grace of God. And so can we just take a moment and pray for them right now? Uh, Russell, uh, uh, just communicating with him, just broken. 
He's, he said he's just never really wept as much as what he's wept. It's just overwhelming. And so now they're entering, you know, after all the cleanup and all the effort, I mean, they're, they're pretty tired. They're pretty exhausted. But let's pray for them. Father, Lord, um, Lord, so many impacted in, in Perryton and Matador with these storms. And Father, we pray for families. We know that there were some that lost loved ones, that you would comfort them, that you would bring strength Lord, that you to surround those communities. Lord, we pray that the church would continue to rise up as it has and to shine the light of Christ. We pray for Convoy of Hope and their efforts and and coming in and helping with water and groceries and um, just uh, uh, helping with cleanup and all um, that they're doing. And we pray for our local churches. I pray for a Harvest and and Perryton and Springs of Life and and Roaring Springs. Lord, that you, your hand would be upon them. Lord, use those churches in a mighty way. Lord, I pray that you just replenish, refresh them. Lord, we know they're going on just with uh, physical exertion and lack of sleep and, and this heat that we've been having. Lord, we just pray you're refreshing upon them. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So keep them in your prayer. And so I'll probably actually be going um, sometime this week to help with some things there. Uh, we had our own damage if, if, at, our, at our, my father-in-law's farmhouse. We lost a couple of roofs. And so uh, I, I got to, yay, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the only family in country. Um, if you don't know, we have uh, some family that are serving overseas. And I tell my brother-in-law's often, it's like, y'all need to start sending me offerings. <laughs> so... But uh, so we're I, this probably be the conclusion of our series, a spirit filled life. And so if you have your Bibles, John chapter seven, it's reading a couple of verses, John chapter seven, um, verse 37. And uh, we'll read this passage and then we'll um, just jump right in. But John chapter seven, verse 37, it's talking about the living waters of the Holy Spirit this morning. John seven thirty-seven. on the last day of the feast and what this feast is, I'll, I'll give a little more just about in just a moment, but it's the feast of, feast of tabernacles on this last day of the feast, the great day Jesus stood up and cried out. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Some translations say streams. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this is what he said about the Spirit, whom, he, to whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as the, yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. We talked about, about that a little bit last week, about how Jesus said, matter of fact, in John chapter 16, the very first part of the chapter, I would tell you the verse, but I, I can't remember exactly, maybe John 16, 4, that he said, it's better for you that I go. And because when I go, the promise of the Father is coming. And, and, and so it, it's really giving emphasis here about the work of the Holy Spirit that was going to take place. And I do believe, now, at the beginning of this series, we talked a little bit about John chapter 20, where Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit and talking about how that was a, just that renewing, regeneration work of the Holy Spirit. That wasn't a baptism of the Holy Spirit moment. But I believe the way that John writes this, and, and as we read this passage, I think we can directly correlate it with the day of Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because how he says it, 
In verse 39, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, but yet the Spirit had not yet been given. And so I think this is talking about that work of the Holy Spirit that happens with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I, I just want to talk just a few moments just about the rivers, those streams of living water. I don't know. I think it's a little more of a popular spot. Anybody ever heard of, of Pandel? Anybody heard of Pandel? Pandel, Texas? Really? You guys live in Odessa and you don't know about Pandel, Texas? Are you serious? I really expected like 80% of your hands to go up. I really did. Pandel is, is uh, uh, not too far from Ozona. Anybody know about Ozona? You know, okay. Pandel's not too far from Ozona. It's a place on the Pecos River. And uh, we really I grew up kind of going there quite a bit. And it's changed a lot. It's actually a popular spot now for kayaking and, and whitewater and all that kind of stuff. But we do a lot of fishing down there. And so it's down, it's really close. It's actually uh, pretty close to, to Mexico. And so, but we'd go down there and camp and fish and, and, and camp out. We would, we would sleep in the back of our dad's trucks, like in the bed. Like we'd even take tents. Like we would go down there and you slip in the bed of the truck, ridges and everything. I mean, just, you know, just an experience. My dad, you know, I, when I go camping, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to eat good. I mean, like when I go camping, I mean, we're taking some food. I mean, it's like a tailgate party. My dad is not wired that way. And so we'd go on these, these trips, and it was kind of like always, we're going we're gonna to eat what we catch. Well, I, I can't say that we just caught a whole lot sometimes. And so it was living off Vienna sausages and potted meat and uh, sardines and, and crackers I, you know, I, 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 I can't, no, <laughs> not for the, not unless I, like that would have to be apocalypse survival food for me now. And so, but we would camp out and, and we'd do a lot of fishing and uh, it was all just great memories. But in this place where we camped out, there was some really fast running water. And it really wasn't, it wasn't white water, it wasn't, it wasn't rapids, but it was very fast moving. And so we built up this, like this little dam. I mean, it was about 18 inches deep right there, but we built up this dam where it would get up, you know, two and a half, three feet. And it was like made our little natural whirlpool. And I mean, you could just sit back in the heat and that water, that cold water would swirl around. It's where we'd take our baths and all that kind of stuff. And, and it'd be there. But what you could also do, there were these, this, these strips of moss going down in the river. And so we figured out that, I mean, it was just like a water slide. I mean, it was better going to wet and wild, man. I mean, you could sit in the water, it came up out to your waist, and, th and that water would just shoot you down those, 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 uh, those moss runs. And I'm talking like 200 yards. I mean, it was an absolute blast. That may be why we didn't catch too many fish, because we probably did that more than anything. But, I mean, it would tear up our shorts. But, uh, I mean, th there's something about, you know, when you're in a dry, arid, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm kind of longing for some water right now. I mean, these, these triple digit days that we've, we've been in and, but there's something about that water in the desert, that this, that place of oasis of what that cool water, how it's refreshing and how that it renews. And, and not only that, but it's the power and force behind some of that water. And I think that scripture is, is very intentional 
and what we see inspired by the Holy Spirit in a description of the Holy Spirit about being rivers of living water, of bringing life where there used to not be life, of, of bringing a force of power where power is needed. I mean, Scripture tells us, Luke 24, 49, that we will be endued with power from on high, that he's going to clothe us with this, this power. But also there's this work on the inside of us that the overflow of that work brings life to all those that are around us. And, and I think it's also fitting. You know, nothing was accident by the Lord, right? Nothing, everything was done on purpose, everything intentional. And it's talking about this, this great day of this feast. Now, this feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, has not been fulfilled yet. There are several feasts that Jesus fulfilled, but this is one that hasn't been fulfilled yet. It won't be fulfilled until, you know, we, um, like approaching into eternity. But, but there's also a meaning here, and the meaning of the Feast of Tabernacles was really the idea that God alone satisfies all of our needs, that God alone satisfies all of our needs. And what they were celebrating was, you know, the provision of the Lord when they were wandering the wilderness for 40, for 40 years. And so they lived in, 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 in huts or, you know, kind of temporary buildings. And so it was a celebration of God's provision when they were in the wilderness. And the, and the same, I think, rings true today is that our God is still a God that sustains us. He sustains us. Matter of fact, the psalmist wrote that. It is that God that sustains me. It is God that gives us the refreshing that we need. It's God that gives us the sustenance that we need. It's God doing his work in us through the Holy Spirit that brings his provision into our life. And so when we look at this in John chapter 7, in verse 37, the first thing that really leaps out to me is so it's on the last day, this great feast, and Jesus stands up. And I think this wording is, we really need to take a look, quick look at this. But it says, and he cried out. Matter of fact, that's a good, if you have your Bibles and you're a highlighter or underliner, that's a good one to kind of make note of. But he cried out. Another translation says it this way, that Jesus stood up and he shouted to the crowds. I'm going to tell you, if Jesus is raising his voice, if Jesus is raising his voice and shouting out and crying out, I, I think it should get our attention. And I, I think we see something here about the nature of our Father, because we know that Jesus didn't do anything unless he saw his Father. He didn't say anything unless it came from the Father. I mean, they're, they're, in, they're in perfect unity, but he, he cries out. And so kind of how I want to land on that is Jesus gives us an open invitation. Jesus gives us an open invitation. And, and we see that in so many ways, but that he cried out, listen, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty passionate person. I'm, I'm pretty loud. You know, Angela tells me all the time that my whisper voice is about like a normal talking voice. I mean, you're not supposed to be whispering anyway, right? So I got that working for me. It's physically, I can't do it. But I, so here's Jesus and he's, I, I, I'm trying to think about this. You know, I'm trying to process of just how 
bad. How, I mean, for, for Jesus to stand up and say, I want you to get this. I want you to have, you know, so many people have this view of God that he's distant and he doesn't care and he's not involved in our life. And here's Jesus in this moment crying out saying, do you realize what I have for you? Do you know what I want to give you? I mean, this is not something that he's being, you know, passive about, that he's being quiet about. He's crying out. He, I, mean, th- I mean, when you really want somebody to get something and, and you're like, I want you to get this. I, I want you to have this. He's crying out. But we see in so many ways that Jesus always has that open invitation. An invitation that is, is that you're always welcome. I mean, some of the, right, we know some of these, but Matthew eleven twenty eight, right? He makes an invitation there. Come to me. Come to me who? All of those who are labor and are heavenly burdened. He says, come to me. He makes that invitation, and it's an open invitation. And so if you are even here this morning, and you're hearing these words, you have to know that maybe that you are weighed heavy with what's going on in life. Maybe you're finding it difficult to bear. Maybe you feel like it's overwhelming, but he has an invitation to you. He says, if you feel that way, then come to me. Then come to me. John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. He's talking about people there. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. I will never cast out. Listen, I, I, I know we've made mention of this many times, you know, but I mean, like back in the day and, and kind of the church I grew up in, you just had this feeling that if you just made one mistake, that was kind of it, you know. You made one mistake, you better hope the rapture doesn't happen. I, I know maybe not all relate to that, but I mean, if you, but I think we see it kind of in, in, in our culture today of, of a lot of mentality of, it, you know, if, if I'm going to mess up anyway, then, then, then why try? But I'm going to tell you something. Did you know that God is bigger than your mistakes? He's God, God is bigger than your mistakes. And now listen, I, I do believe, yes, I, I believe that there is a point of backsliding. I believe there's a point where you can just live willfully in rebellion to God. But I want you to know, he knows that you're not going to walk it perfect. He knows that you're not going to get it right all the time. And he says, if you just come to me, if you'll be in me, I'm never going to cast you out. Do you know the power of that? John 6, 35, just right above that. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's fitting with our passage that we're talking about here. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And, and of course, I mean, we're not necessarily talking about, right, that, that, that physical hunger, that, that physical thirst, but there's a whole lot of people trying to fill that hunger and that thirst in their life by doing a whole lot of things that will never fill that hunger and that thirst. 
I think one of the best passages that describes us is Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, this, this passage, verses 1 through 3. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me and hear that your soul may live and I will make an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. I'm gonna tell you, I think there's a lot of people that are really resistant to what the whole, how the Holy Spirit's trying to draw them in. I want to get real for here a second, but listen, it's the Holy Spirit that draws us. It's that work of the Holy Spirit. And listen, we can't come to the place of salvation unless the Holy Spirit first draws us. It, I mean, it, all this, God does, and thankfully so, right, that God does all of this. But I, I think that we get really good at being resistant to that Holy Spirit drawing in us and working in us. And then we wonder why it's not working out for us. We wonder why that we keep having the same problems over and over and over and over. We wonder why we keep having the same difficulties over and over and over and over. That these patterns just keep repeating in our life. And the reality is, is I, I, think it, I, I think I can confidently say that the Holy Spirit is consistently and constantly stirring and working in our life. And he's trying to lead us. He's trying to guide us. He's trying to... To, to, to work in us and bring us to a place of maturity. But we are so independent. Like, oh, I got this. I, I know what to do. Is, are y'all so quiet because this is too close? Or are you with me? <laughs> the Holy Spirit draws us. It's that still, small voice that, that speaks to us. And... It's, the, it's those moments of clarity, I think, in the middle of the mess. I think a, a lot of us hear that voice more than what we think we hear it. But he, So he's stirring and he's working us. And I, I don't See, his promise is true that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. If, he'll, if, he, if he's always with us, no matter what we're going through, then we've got to know that he's always ready to speak and to give us direction. But what happens so many times, I, I really, I guess, kind of labored in a way to kind of illustrate this, but I, I want to I wanna illustrate it this way. That, um, well, you know, last summer, you know, this summer, we're going to spend a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about parenting. It doesn't matter if you're a grandparent or a parent, young kids, old kids, grown kids. I really want to encourage you to be here those couple of weeks. I think it'll be really encouraging. And, and, but last summer, you know, one of the, we did like an apologetic series. And you know, one thing I talked about, we, I talked about um, scripture and alcohol. And we really broke it down and, and went deep into it. But I, I want to talk in more of a, a practical sense. Because here's what I see happen so many times is that you see God working in somebody, 
and stirring in somebody, and you see this, this growth happening in their life, but invariably, regardless of what it is, the Lord knows exactly kind of, you know, he's trying to tweak something in us. I, I don't know if there's a better, there's probably a more eloquent, better, fancier way to say this, but, but God is always stirring and working, and, and I think there's many reasons for that, but and I think one of them is, is that he wants us to realize and see the place where we are in obedience. I think sometimes, I do, I think sometimes the Lord tells us to do something, and it may not seem like to have much value, but the Lord wants your eyes and heart to open whether or not you're going to be obedient. Does that make sense? And so, so and, and I see this in a lot of areas, and you can, I mean, you could put alcohol in that blank, you could put, you could put entertainment in that blank, you could put how you spend your time in that blank, you, I mean, there's a lot, you could put money in that blank, there's a lot you could put in, in, in this scenario, but so many times God begins to stir in us, and we know it's the Lord, and it's like, you know what, I need to stop doing this, whatever that blank may be. And I mean, you feel that conviction. You're like, I, no, I need this. Okay, I know the Lord's speaking to me. I don't, but then invariably, we'll get around people who disagree with what the Lord's speaking to us. Are, 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 we, all, are we all on the same bus together? And I think drinking is one of those things. I think a lot of people get convicted and they're like, man, I, I don't want to partake of that anymore. I don't want to go that direction anymore. I don't want to go that route anymore. But then you get around a whole lot of people who think, oh, the Bible doesn't say that. Well, the reality is, it really doesn't matter if the Bible says it or not. The Lord spoke it to you. See, see the difference? Now, personally, I believe that we need to leave that stuff behind. But whatever that it is, if, if God's stirring in you, maybe he, you know, this whatever it is that he's speaking to you, and we let outward people and circumstance talk us out of what God is doing in us, because maybe they have weighty, good opinions, but the reality is God's not speaking it into their heart. He's speaking it into yours. And if he's speaking it into yours, the way to cultivate I mean, the antenna getting wider and bigger on what God is speaking to you is simply to obey. Now, I, you know, I don't have any issue problem with uh, a, a lot of, you know, secular music, music that's not, um, you know, worship, whatever. Now, but a long time ago, I mean, when I first got saved, I really felt the Lord contend with my heart. I mean, I, music was a big part of my life, and, um, you know, I mean, man, I went to, I mean, just that whole thing, and I, I'm not saying there's anything, you know, you got to work out those things for yourself and what the Holy Spirit speaks to you, but I know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I mean, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I want you to give that up. Are you willing to give that up for me and only listen to Christian and, 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 and worship music? And I said, I'm absolutely willing to do that for you. And so... I mean, for the for majority of my adult life, that's exactly how I live life. And I have never regretted it. Because how many times I've also said that you can never grow beyond your last disobedience. And that's the reality. And so if I, if the Holy Spirit contends with me about anything, and he says, this is what I want for your life, and you're like, ah, I'm going to go this direction 
That's our, that's our stopping point of spiritual maturity. It's the, the we, we go through this, we battle with this sometimes, but I, I'm going to give you a real simple thing. It's when God is working in your life and he's stirring in your life, you're going to have two types of really feelings. And I, listen, I'm going to tell you, I'm not one, I, the Bible says that we don't live by sight, but we live by faith. But he also has, I, I think that God can use our emotions and and, and, and our feelings. I think, it, I mean, if you're, I think it's okay to get, you know, the, you know, you know, the goosebumps and, and being moved and, uh, you know, by the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff. But listen to me, whenever you're faced with a situation, you're either going to have a, like an angst and uneasiness, or you're going to have a peace about it. And you need to heed that. If you want to, the Galatians 5.25, if you're going to walk by the Spirit, then keep in step with the Spirit. And so as you're walking with the Spirit and you're, you're going by His leading and His guiding, and you're going to have these situations where you're going to have an uneasiness about something or you're going to have a peace about something. And the scripture, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Spirit. I cannot, I mean, time and time and time and time and time again, I know that I was heading the right direction because I had a peace and a joy because of the Holy Spirit. Even if it's a difficult circumstance, I knew I was doing what was right because of the peace that God had given me. And there was even maybe people that surrounding me that were, were trying to upset that peace by giving, give, you know, it's kind of like Job's comforters, you know, trying to be well-meaning in what they were speaking to me. But it's like, you know what? I know what God has put into my heart. But there's also an uneasiness. You know, and Paul wrote about this. A lot of people don't, don't, don't catch this when they read this first. But 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. I want you to catch this first. Chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. My spirit was not at rest. I mean, Paul even talks about it right here to his letter to the Corinthian church. And it, had, it, was, had a, it was a situation involving Titus... And, but he says, my spirit was not at rest. You're, you're going to know direction from the Holy Spirit if you have an uneasiness in your spirit. Listen to me. I, I think, I, I do, I think, I know it's probably dangerous to put like a percentage on this, but I mean, I would dare say that like 90% of the time that if you've got a little, you know, a little, huh? That, that little check. Heed that. Heed that. The second, John seven thirty seven. So he cried out. He says this, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I, I think it's a beautiful promise. The second thing is this, is Jesus can make the invitation, but the response is up to you. You're the only one that can decide. I tell people all the, you know, people, listen, we can pray and I, you know, uh, you know, somebody asked me, hey, I'm, I have this decision in my life and, and looking for the direction to go and, and the decision I need to make. And yeah, we can look at scripture. We can, we can, you know, talk wisdom. We can surround ourselves with wise people and, and people with wisdom. But the reality is the only person that can determine 
the will of God for you is you. Whether you're just starting out in the faith or you're mature in the faith, the only one that can determine God's will for you is you. And it takes us responding to his invitation to be able to walk in his will. The response is up to you. You've got to give that spiritual RSVP, right? I mean, you've got to be the one that responds to it. And I, I, I was kind of thinking about this. I, I don't know if I'm... I'm Maybe taking a, just a slight bit of a rabbit trail, but the Lifeway did some research about what kind of people at any given time are in a church. So this is about us. Are you, are you, ready? Are you ready for this? So, you know, Lifeway research. So here's what they said, that some people in church are generational. And what that means is I'll be here forever. I was here before you got here, and I'll be here after you go, you know. Generational believers. Um, there's a second type of person, and that's confrontational. I probably could be better said lack of confrontation. But, um, you know, there's people, especially when it comes to, it can be with the pastor, it can be interpersonal in a church, but I'll come back when you're gone. Lots of people like that in church, or not in church because they're waiting for that person to be gone, but then they come back and there'll be somebody else. Hope maybe you caught that. Okay, and so then there's the recreational believer, the, regu- the recreational church attender. I'll be there when I want. I've got a busy life. <clears throat> I need some water right now. Um, then there's relational. I'll be here as long as they are here. And then devotional. I'll be here because he is honored. Listen. I, the reason I bring that up is this, is because, you know, Scripture tells us that in these last days, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. I mean, that's what the Scripture tells us. And listen, even now, listen, I, and man, there is nothing wrong. I, I mean, have vacations, take time off. I get it. I, I you know, uh, you, go, you, you want to have that time and, and all those. But listen, I, man... Stop being so cavalier about it. You need the body of Christ. You need these corporate times of worship. I mean, you really do. And I, I think that, and I'm, I'm talking, and if I make you mad, you know, I'll give you my wife's email. But I, I do, I think in our church, we have a lot of recreational Christians. This attending every six weeks, that is not healthy for you as a believer. It is not healthy for you to jump in every six, seven, eight weeks. And I'm going to tell you something else is that while well, I'm on my soapbox right now is I can't tell you how many of you, how many conversations I'm talking dozens, dozens over the years when you've been out of church for a while. And then we hear the same thing all the time. Well, my kids have been really on me about getting back in church. I want to tell you, there will be a day where they won't be on you. And then you'll say, you'll be, then like the alarm will be going, right? Then you go to DEFCON 1 and you're trying to rally everybody to church and they're not going to be interested. They're not going to be interested. Listen. The way that God works, the way the Holy Spirit works in our life, 
works so many, he doesn't just work in us personally, but he works corporately. And we come together in a corporate fashion. We can iron sharpen iron. We can build each other up. We can exhort each other. We can speak into one another's life. We can live this life together. And so the reality is some things are better caught than taught. I say that so often. It's better caught than taught. Listen, uh, you know, why am I talking along these lines? Because I think that the Holy Spirit is, is, in a, is in a consistent, constant place of drawing us in. To be more involved. And listen, I'm just not looking for somebody to sign on a dotted line, you know, to sign their life away in the nursery. <laughs> it's far greater than that. It's far more than that. It's part of spiritual maturity to get involved and to hear that working and the, and, and the heed, the drawing of the Spirit in our life to, to jump and be all in. And so either your obedience can be immediate, it can be delayed, it can be non-existent. I want to encourage you to start living life where as you walk in obedience, it's immediate. And the third and last thing is that whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Listen, we must draw on the reservoir of the Holy Spirit. There is an endless amount of refreshing in the Holy Spirit. There is an endless amount of strength in the Holy Spirit. There is an endless amount of power in the Holy Spirit. There's an endless amount of anointing that's found in the Holy Spirit. You can't do this on your own. I can't do this on my own. I need the work and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit working on the inside of me. Isaiah 58, 11, one of my favorite promises. Many of you have probably, I've prayed the scripture of you probably a dozen times if you've ever responded to an altar call. And the Lord will guide you. It doesn't say sometimes. It doesn't say every once in a while. It doesn't say, it says he will guide you continually and what? And not sometimes, not every once in a while, but he will continually guide you. He will continually satisfy your desire even in scorched places. Do you understand that as we go, we're all going to face heartache. We're all going to face difficult moments and difficult times. We're all going to face things that we don't understand. We're, we're going to go through times where maybe we feel betrayed by our kids or betrayed by a close friend or whatever. It, I mean, whatever makes up that circumstance that would qualify as, as scorched places. But in the middle of that moment, what you need to know is that there is a reservoir of the Holy Spirit that will constantly constantly pour into your life. Even in that moment in the desert, you can live in an oasis. He'll make your bones strong and you'll should be like, I love this part, like a watered garden, like a spring of water who waters do not fail. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to keep our heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. You know, there's really no indication of Scripture when it says this, 
of like, you know, that he's going out of you shall flow rivers or streams of living water. Like there's no theological indication necessarily of what's being talked about here. I, I think if we look at it in the context that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit that, that hasn't been poured out yet, that wouldn't be poured out till you know, Acts 1 and Acts 2, I think, you know, we may could piece together, maybe he's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, that could be, maybe he's talking about um, um, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. I mean, we don't have a, a strong indication whether it's gifts or fruits or, or anointing or, or whatever it is. I kind of tend to believe, and you can take it with a grain of salt, it's talking about all of it. I really do. Because it's a plural, it's streams. It's rivers. And I think that the possibilities with God is endless, right? And so I don't think I'm being like unbiblical or, or, or off base in saying that this could be the works of the gifts of the Spirit. This could be the fruit of the Spirit. This is the work of the Spirit. But regardless of what it is, regardless of what those aspects or points are, here's what we do know. Is that God can do so much on the inside of you whether it be gifts or works or fruit or, or anointing or, or whatever that is, that there's going to be an outflow from that because of the work inside of you. And that outflow is going to bring life to what's around you. And I, I, I think we, we can't labor this point enough that God wants to do so much on the inside of you that you bring a life to your family. That God wants to do so much on the inside of you that it brings life to your workplace. That God does so much on the inside of you that it brings life to your city block. That God does so much on the inside of you that it brings life to your church. That God does so much on the inside of you that it brings life to, to your kids, to, to your grandkids, to anybody that would step foot in the waters around you would find life. Would find life. I want you to stand with me this morning if you would. I'm reminded so much. One of the, I refer to it often. I think I just need to preach this a sermon on the verse. But it's where we get that, um, and I know I've shared this so many times, but um, it's, it's, it's the verse that we get that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. Anybody heard that term? And we, we talk about Thanks for tuning in to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. If you've enjoyed today's message, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media for updates and inspirational content throughout the week. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Odessa First AG. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our Sunday morning services at 10.30 a.m. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Odessa First Assembly Podcast.